we look at the, um, the cup of the communion table and what that represents for us. Tonight is a, a time of remembrance. It's a time of reflection. And so I would encourage you to make use of that time. Times when there's silence, um, especially during times of worship and when we gather around the Lord's table together as the family of Jesus, that we would um, take a, a special time to reflect and we remember why we're here and what happened over 2,000 years ago um, with our Lord Jesus humbly and willingly going to the cross. Let me pray for us, and then I will open God's Word together. Father, thank you for your many blessings, even your blessings of today, of course, but Lord God, we cannot say thank you enough for the greatest blessing of all, and that is Jesus Christ himself. We know that your Word tells us, and we are reminded tonight, that Jesus willingly and with all humility took up his cross and he surrendered himself. He did that on our behalf, and for that, Father, we are eternally grateful. So thank you for giving us your Son. And tonight, we remember him, and we solemnly remember his sacrifice that was made for each of us, that was made on our behalf to pay the penalty of our sin. We know that judgment came upon him. We know that he took upon himself all of the sin, the guilt, and the shame that we so deserved. But we are here to remember what it cost and to say thank you, Father. So now would you bless the reading of your word? Would you bless the, the singing of these songs as we have desired to come and not only reflect and remember, but to give? to give back to you in, in humble worship. And so, Lord, we say thank you and offer this time up to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> A reading from Matthew 27. <clears throat> As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. When they sat down and kept watch over him there, and over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, Save yourself, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. 
He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness. Darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. And there were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts and minds this evening. So let us now enter into a time of worship through song. I remind you that we have freedom to worship in Christ. And so, especially because of the, um, the reason that we gather here tonight, should you decide to just sit and listen and close your eyes, you may certainly always do that. If you would like to stand and read the words and to sing with a loud voice, thanks to God, of course, we have freedom to do that as well. Amen? So let's worship God now together.
I am, uh, I'm so thankful for the blessing of music. I hope you are too. One of the, uh, the most powerful parts of music is how when you sing words, they can often stick with you. You thought throughout life, like how many lyrics to songs that you know, and maybe when you were a kid in Sunday school, those uh, Bible verses and scriptures that were put to music and you remember them. I still, to this day, when I, um, and I didn't even grow up in church, when I go through the Bible, in my head I'm singing the, the books of the Bible so I know where to get to them, you know, and they just stick with you. And so as we're worshiping, thinking of that line from that earlier song, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. We reflect on that tonight. It was our sin that held him there until it was accomplished. Crosses are empty. The cross in the middle is empty, and Jesus is no longer on the cross. And on Sunday, we get to rejoice that he's no longer in the tomb. So tonight we remember, and on Sunday, we rejoice. When we gather around the Lord's table, we often recite the words from Scripture that Jesus told his disciples, and he tells us, he says, do this in remembrance of me. It was on that last supper, that night of the Passover meal, the last one that Jesus would, um, would gather together and celebrate with his disciples. It was that night that he instituted communion. And communion is one of the two ordinances or one of the two commands that Jesus gives to the church, that's us, to believers, Throughout the centuries, he says that we are, whenever we gather, as often as we do, to take the bread and to take the cup, but to do it in remembrance of him. Why does Jesus ask us to remember him? Does it not seem like what he did for us would be something that we would never, ever forget? But yet he said, do this in remembrance of me. God says it's good to remember. It's important to reflect. Reflect on the past to realize how the past affects us and how it will shape our future. I believe all throughout Scripture, God teaches us the importance of remembrance. You know, in the Old Testament, um, there's a particular story that I wanted to share tonight as we then enter into our uh, communion time together. Many of us are familiar with the account of God using Moses and his staff to miraculously part the Red Sea when they were fleeing Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But there is another instance when God worked another such miracle. I want to look at that briefly right now. In the Old Testament book of, when we see Joshua, 
leading the people, taking over from Moses, when we see the leadership being passed on to Joshua, getting the people actually into the promised land after their 40 years of wandering, there's this amazing story of God holding back the waters of the Jordan River so the people could finally cross into the promised land. See, when God used Moses to part the Red Sea, remember they were fleeing the Egyptians and Pharaoh, right? And of course, in Passover, they remember part of that story. You know, tonight all around the world is the beginning of Passover for the Jewish people. It lasts a week and it begins now at sundown, right as we're meeting. And they will have the traditional Seder meal, the Passover meal. And did you know that if you're in Jerusalem, it is just tonight, but if you are part of the scattering, the diaspora, the those who are scattered throughout the world as Jewish people, you are then by tradition to celebrate the Passover meal tonight and tomorrow night. And so there are millions of Jews gathered around in their homes preparing to recount that particular story of God freeing them, their ancestors, from slavery in Egypt. We're going to look at that tonight. But before we do, I want to read to you from this story. Another time when God helped his people by holding back the waters, this time of the Jordan River, to then get into the promised land. After this miraculous event, God told Joshua to do something to help them remember. Listen to what happened. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men that he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever." God often uses things, symbols, words even, to remind us. Because we are forgetful people, aren't we? We are forgetful people. And as we get older, it gets more frustrating, doesn't it? But this amazing story shows us, God I think shows us in this particular story, that it's important to remember, see, he had instructed Joshua that the leaders of the tribes would go and get the stones and create this thing to remember that God had 
delivered them. Tonight, we remember that we are delivered in Jesus Christ. We gather around this way tonight for a special reason, so that we can be facing and looking at the communion table as a symbol, as a visual reference of remembrance of what Christ did. The bread representing his body given for us, the cup representing his blood shed on our behalf. There are memorials all throughout the scriptures. God gave Noah the rainbow, something to visually look at to remember his promises. God gave Joshua those stones of remembrance. God gave Moses the Passover. But now, for the church, for the church of Jesus Christ, he gives us communion, the cup and the bread. A memorial to the death of Jesus Christ. Symbols of remembrance. Tonight we reflect together specifically on the cup of communion. In the Passover traditional meal, there are four cups. And those four cups, those four cups have great significance to the Jewish people. I think it's so interesting that, again, uh, Jewish people are gathering right now as we speak to remember this, and, and a part of that, they are awaiting their Messiah on Wednesday night. Many of us were here, and uh, Scott Schwartz, one of our missionaries, led us through the Christ and the Passover meal, and we got to see in great detail so much of how Jesus Christ is foreshadowed and represented in this traditional meal that our Jewish friends are celebrating, yet they are missing the Messiah. Tonight we gather because he has found us. And so we see Christ in the Passover. But specifically now I want to share with you just briefly about these four cups. You see, part of the traditional Passover meal includes four cups, and it's really an important part of that whole meal which we were told on Wednesday would often last hours because they would recite uh, and read long passages of Scripture. Why? Because they never want to forget how God delivered their ancestors out of slavery from Egypt. Why did Jesus say, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me because we do not want to forget The four cups of the traditional Passover meal are an integral part of their celebration. They stand each for the four promises that God makes to his people that are found in Exodus 6, 6 through 7. Let me read that for you. This is where they get the four cups from based upon the four blessings, the four promises that God makes to his people. Listen to this. Exodus 6, 6 through 7. God says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, and I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. 
And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The four I will statements of God from Exodus chapter 6. These four cups of the Passover meal go this way. At the beginning of the Seder meal is the first cup, which is called the cup of sanctification. It's that first I will. God says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification. The children of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Their tears were bitter. They started out their time, if you remember the Old Testament history, they started out their time as guests, right? Welcome guests into Egypt. 400 years later, there was new management, <laughs> a new pharaoh in town, and that pharaoh did not know that history and did not know the people. They became slaves. The yoke of slavery was a burden and heavy so the Jewish Passover is a reminder of how God brought them out of slavery, but let's look at Christ in the first cup. John 17, 19, we see how Messiah sanctifies us, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. That's what Jesus says about us. For our sake he sanctifies himself that we also may be sanctified by the truth. We can see Christ in that cup of sanctification. In the second cup, so that first one was at the beginning of the meal. Cup number two is during the meal while they're telling this great story of God's deliverance of the people from Egypt. And it is called the cup of deliverance. This is the second cup they take in the middle of the meal. He says to them, I will deliver you from slavery to them. The second I will. Deliverance from judgment. Deliverance from slavery. Deliverance from the plague of death, the final plague. Do you remember what God told the people of Israel to do that night? that they were to find the perfect lamb and unblemished lamb, lamb to kill the lamb and to take its blood and put it on the doorposts and over the door so that when the plague of death, the final plague, would come, death would pass over the houses of the Israelites. They celebrate Passover when God did that for their ancestors we know that it was Christ's blood that covers not our doors, but covers our sins so that death has passed over, that we have passed from death to life, amen? We can see Christ in that second cup. John eight thirty two, we see how the Messiah delivers us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We have gathered here tonight as free people in Jesus Christ. The third cup of the traditional Passover meal is called the cup of redemption. Now, this cup is the cup that's taken just after the meal has finished. Remember, the first one is at the beginning of the meal. The second cup is 
taken during the, in the middle when they're telling the story. This third cup is the cup of redemption. Right after the meal. Because God had told them the third I will promise in Exodus 6, I will redeem you. Now listen, he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. That's in the book of Exodus. The second book of the Bible. With an outstretched arm, God will redeem his people. That cup of redemption is the third cup of the meal. They take it right after the end of the meal. This is that cup of redemption that Jesus instructed his disciples to partake of in the Last Supper. When Jesus had the cup and he passed it around, it was that third cup. They would have already had the first cup. They would have already had the second cup and recounted the story. Remember, they were observant Jews and observant even of the traditions. And they came to the third cup. And it is that third cup that we take that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. The third cup, not the first one, not the second one, but the third cup of the meal traditionally called the cup of redemption. That's the cup that Jesus says we are to take. So every time that we gather and we take communion as a body of believers, we are remembering redemption in the blood and body of Jesus Christ. Hmm. The cup of redemption signifies the slaying of the Passover lamb. This cup remembers how the Lord redeemed Israel. But of course, Jesus said these words to his church. My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for forgiveness of sins. This is the cup we drink during communion, the cup of redemption. Blood that was spilled as Jesus' arms were stretched out. God had said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Were not Jesus' arms stretched out? Stretched out in a position of surrender, of complete surrender, giving himself, all of himself to us. Stretched out wide so that it would be enough for all of the world. We see Christ in that third cup as he redeems us. Galatians 4 says these words, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus Christ is the one who redeems us. And before we go on to the final, the fourth and final cup, let us remember another time that Jesus talked about a cup. It's a different cup. It's not one of the four cups of the Passover meal. You remember when Jesus was alone in the garden and he was talking to his father and it says he was under great duress, great duress that he would even sweat drops of blood. What did he ask of the father? He asked if that cup could pass by him. What cup is he talking about? He doesn't say what cup, he just says, Father, if it would be, if it could be, would you do this for me, Father? 
can you please allow this cup to pass by me? But yet, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus didn't want some cup. He didn't want a drink of some kind of cup. What was he signifying? It was symbolic of the cup of judgment. The judgment for sin that he knew in a few short hours he would have to symbolically drink. Take upon himself the judgment for sin because a holy God, a righteous Father, must judge sin and disobedience. And he did through the obedience of his son Jesus. So Jesus said, let this cup pass before me. It was the cup of judgment that Jesus didn't want, but he willingly drank from on our behalf. It was a cup of judgment, of bitterness and suffering, of pain and death. But in that third cup of the Passover meal, we know that we have been redeemed through the blood he shed. And finally, the last cup. And we don't want to miss this, but in the, in the Passover meal, this last cup is taken at the very end of the celebration. The cup of redemption right after the meal but at the very end, there is the fourth cup. It is the cup of praise or the cup of joy. It's when he says, again in Exodus, these cups follow these four I will statements from Exodus 6. He says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. It's that cup of praise. See, Jesus and his disciples had already taken the first two cups and they had taken the third cup, the cup of Redemption when he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, that third cup. But what about this fourth cup? What did Jesus say about that? Matthew 26, 29. Listen to the words of Jesus about this fourth cup, the cup of rejoicing. The cup that goes along with the fourth I will promise I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. See, all of our Jewish friends that are gathering right now, at the end of the, the meal later on this evening, they will take that fourth cup, and they will rejoice, the cup of hallel, of, of hallelujah, of rejoicing, but yet we, we know Jesus said, I am not going to drink of this cup. He passed it around. He did not drink from it. Why? He said, I will never drink from this cup, from the fruit of the vine and this cup, until the day I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is coming back. We pray he comes soon. When he does and he sets up his kingdom, the kingdom that the Father has promised him, we will then, as believers, enjoy that cup of praise, that cup of joy with our Savior right there at the same table. Is that not amazing? So Jesus said, no, I'm not going to drink of that cup. Not until I come back for you and we can enjoy it together. Because he knew what he was about to do was not filled with joy. It was redemption. But it was not filled with joy. 
when Christ returns. For us as believers, what a time of joy and praise that will be. So we will end our time around the communion table. Let's remember that God likes when we can look at something and remember. He gives us, he gives us um, words, he gives us things to remember him by. He gave the church baptism, water baptism, a visual. He gives us the bread and the cup, a visual reminder that Jesus gave himself up for us. So what I'd like to do now is just invite you to a time of just quiet reflection. We're going to have an extended time, a little bit more than we normally would when we do this together on the first Sunday of the month. And I would ask this, that as you hear the music play, that you reflect specifically on those cups, especially that third cup, the cup of redemption. When Jesus passed that cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's a new covenant. The old has been done away with, that we are now saved not by the law, not by our works, but by Christ and his shed blood. That's what we remember. That day over 2,000 years ago, that day when the earth shook and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, we were then given direct access to the holy God of the universe, but it's only because Christ gave himself for us. So as we reflect on that, take a few minutes. When you're ready, there's no signal to do it. When you're ready, you can get up and take a, a piece of the bread and you can take a cup and go back to your seat and continue to pray continue to meditate and think on what it costs Jesus Christ and what it means for us for that cup of redemption. But also we can rejoice. We know we, we like to leave our rejoicing for Sunday, but we can rejoice because we are also people of hope because Jesus said that whenever we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that good of him to put that in there, right? That Paul says those words and reminds us Jesus is coming back. We do this, these symbols, these physical symbols of remembrance, but once Jesus returns for us, we will no longer need to do this because we will have Jesus in our presence. We will see him face to face, amen? So listen to the music. Take time, you and the Lord. When you're ready, take the elements and return to your seat. And after a little while, I will close our time together of the taking of the bread and the cup together.
For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. In the same way, also, after supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's remember him until he comes. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Our Father and our God, thank you for not forgetting us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. We can't even imagine what the Lord Jesus, our Savior, felt on that night so many years ago, that he would even cry out, why have you forsaken me, Father? God, we can also only but imagine what it was like for him to endure the pain, the torture, the suffering of the cross. But God, we know that he did that for us. Lord, may we never diminish the work of Christ on the cross by trying to add to our salvation. God, your grace is enough, and we can never do more than what you have already done. Father, may we take to heart the humility and willingness of Jesus Christ to carry his own cross to that hill, to give himself up for us. May we never forget, and may we always remember Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, on that Passover night when you knew what was about to happen. Lord, as you looked down at that Passover table and saw the lamb, you knew that you would be that one true and final lamb. Thank you for doing that for us. But God, thank you that even as we reflect, we know that we can rejoice because we have been given Thank you, Lord, that you said that you will wait to enjoy that fourth cup, that cup of rejoicing and joy until we meet again. Lord Jesus, come and come quickly. But until then, we will continue to remember you. May we remember you always, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We cannot thank you enough, but we thank you 
in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us tonight. May the Lord bless you. May we always remember.
Still. 